As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, good morning. Man, that was an awesome song, wasn't it? Let's praise God for the worship this morning. It was great to have Rihanna lead us. She's one of our interns, and she's from High Point St. Vincent, of all places. And so she's heading back. It was funny. In the service, I took a picture of her standing on stage, and I sent it to Pastor Al, her pastor. And so we're going to miss her, but it's great to see uh, us make an impact in so many young people in this internship program. So let's praise God for them and all they did. They served here at various High Point locations. So, well, the summer, July, it's pretty much done. If you want to get something done in July, you got to get it done today, but it's crazy. Where did it go? Jody and I, we've been on what we're calling the nostalgia tour for the past two weeks. What is a nostalgia tour? Well, it's when you get old, that's what's happening. But we went on vacation for a couple weeks and we went back out east and we visited the place that we're from, all a bunch of memorable spots when we first started dating, where she was when she started working in the business world and me. And we even went to the place in Bethel, Connecticut, where we got engaged. So I was working in downtown Cleveland at the time. We had, uh, I was in, out of school and Jody was will, working in, if you know the area, Wilton, Connecticut. And so I flew out there on Valentine's Day to pop the question. She had no idea it was coming. And so the plane, unfortunately, was delayed. So coming from New York to Connecticut, we're driving and we missed the restaurant. I mean, a five-star restaurant picked out. We missed it. So I said, hey, you know, is there anywhere else to go? And then so she's like, okay. And so she took me to this place called the Reading Roadhouse. And there was a band there. And it was just wasn't the right atmosphere, if you know what I mean, for what I wanted to do. And so we walked in and we left immediately. She's like, what the heck? What's up? And then we went to another place. And I'm like, this isn't right either. Let's go. And so she's starting to get a little nervous. You know, she's like, something is happening here. And then, and then this is what the, the kicker was. I, I, we're in the car. She's driving. I, isn't there any, plain, isn't there any like monuments or parks around here or what? And, and so then she started slowing down. <laughs> she's like, I don't know if I want this. And, and so she drove me to downtown Bethel, uh, Connecticut. And it was, you know, the snow was falling down. I mean, it was just, there was nobody there because it was after midnight. And literally, um, we got out of the car, and, and the statue is right there. We got there by the monument, and, and I, I, I pulled the ring out of my pocket. And, and I mean, I did this right. I mean, I didn't have anybody hiding in the bushes with cameras. That's what they do now. We didn't know that stuff back then. And, and so, I, like, we have literally no pictures. And so I, I got down on one knee, and, and then I practiced this on the plane. And I just said, so eloquently, at least I thought, I, I said, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I mean, no awes, nothing. Like that day, you guys are like, what the? Well, guess what she said? Okay. And to this day, she's never given me an answer to the question. She said, you didn't ask me a question. So I didn't answer. I didn't say yes. And, and so I gave her the ring, and she said, thank you. And then, and then, and then I said, do you know what that means? And then I regret this decision to this day. I said, she goes, what did my dad say? 
And I said, if I wanted to marry your dad, I would have asked him. But I want to marry you. This is going nowhere good. Please, if you're getting engaged or if you're thinking about it, don't follow anything that I've said. And then so finally, you know, the next day, we, you know, I called her dad and he gave us the blessing and everything. And then um, she still has never said yes until... Last week, I got a picture, we're there. We went to the place in downtown, in Bethel, Connecticut, and we're, we're there, and, and I, like, I got down on one knee, and I, you know, she said yes, and I was thankful after 30 years. And, and, and then, but if you notice this, it's, it's before, yeah, there's the, you know, this is what everybody does now, you know, like this, and that's actually not the real one. I had a cheap one, I had to upgrade it, but let's, that's another story. Um, that was kind of funny, but nobody laughed. But honestly, we, because it was snowing, we didn't really know what was going on with the statue. And then we realized it's a, it's a monument of a World War I soldier running into battle. And if you look closely, he's holding a grenade. Now, some of you know our story. Our first year of marriage, it was a war. I'm telling you right now. And, I'm, and, and so we're laughing. We're like, oh my gosh, it was. That was it. it. It was a prophetic vision of what year number one was going to be. Said all that to say this. How do you make wise decisions? Whether it's about getting married, engaged, whether it's about moving, whether it's about starting a new job or going to a different school, whatever the decision is, what's the grid, what's the filter, what's the flow chart, the decision chart that you use to make wise decisions? That's what I want to talk to you about as we close down this series. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16. And the title of the message is simply this, God the wise make good decisions, and God wants us to make the good decisions, and I believe he's given us in his word a grid right here in Proverbs chapter 16. I've got six questions that I'm going to pull out of these verses that I've used to make decisions in my life. I want you to use them as well. Why? So that you can make as good as a decision as Jody did when she said to marry me. But in all seriousness... We need help. And so Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1, let me begin reading to you. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Verse 5, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord, but be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Verse six is so important, can hardly wait to get back to that. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Verse nine, the heart of man pleases, plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather today in this place. I welcome those who are here in person, those that are online. We ask that you would speak to us. And Lord, we all have decisions that we're faced with, that we're wrestling with. And I pray that you would help us to make decisions that would be wise decisions. And I ask you to use this text to help us to think that through. 
not only for us that we would make wise decisions, but that we could be used to help others as we want to disciple and train others, help others to make wise decisions as well. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. First question to ask yourself to make a wise decision is this, will will my decision please God? I mean, that's where we want to start. It's like, will that please him? And verse one of Proverbs 16 says, the plans of the heart belong to man. Some versions say, maybe you're holding this, the preparations of the heart belong to man. Now, what that indicates to me is that God has given us a a will, a free will. He has graciously breathed life into you, and you're not a robot, and he hasn't programmed you, and you can make any decision you want. God has given us a free will. That's the apologetic to why there's so much evil in the world. When people say, well, why is there so much evil? Well, because people make decisions that don't please God. Did you know that you make 35,000 decisions every day? Over 35,000. That's what researchers tell us. All kinds of decisions. And God's given you a free will to make decisions. But this is the catch. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So what that tells me is interesting verbiage, the answer of the tongue. That means God wants to speak into your situation. He wants to give you an answer if you ask a question. But oftentimes we don't because we're not concerned about pleasing him, or at least we don't run it through a grid like this. So we've got to be understanding that God wants to give you an answer. It says in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says that for those who ask for wisdom, if you, if you need wisdom, it says God will give it to you generously and without reproach. So God wants to dispense wisdom on you in your situation in the midst of your decision if you look to him. But how do I hear from God? Does God still speak? Those are the questions that I often get. Well, I can't hear an audible voice. I want to know whether I should do this or that. And if he would just tell me, well, how does God speak? Five ways. God speaks through his word. That's why we spend so much time in his Bible. I mean, in this book that that I want you to spend that time too because he will speak to us through his word. This section, if you've heard from God through his word, give me a hand raise. Anybody? I mean, it's amazing how you'll hear from him through his word. God speaks through his spirit. That's the, the peace of himself, the Holy Spirit that he's put in you for those who have turned to him in repentance and faith. Jesus says in John chapter 14 through 16, he talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, that the spirit comforts. The Spirit convicts, the Spirit guides, the Spirit leads. It even says that the Spirit will bring, bring things to our mind that we forgot that God has told us to help us. And, and so I would verbalize that by there's just something. Sometimes some call it the still small voice. And so you're like, well, I kind of felt something or I think something. And, and God is leading us. How many people in this section? I've been led by God's Spirit. You can sense it. And then the third thing, The third thing is God leads through people. And so people that what? Some people who are very knowledgeable, some very knowledgeable Christian mature people, if you go and seek guidance, one of the big issues that I have, I mean, with talking with people, it's like you ask me, well, who have you talked to about this? I didn't talk to anyone. Or no, I talked to this Christian, uh, mature Christian. Well, did you do what they said? No. I mean, God speaks through people. 
How many people in this section don't want to leave you out? You've heard from God. You've approached God. How else does God speak? God speaks through circumstances. I mean, all we have to do is look at the story of Joseph to see that. Joseph, his brothers, treated him, and they threw him and left him for dead, threw him in a pit. And then guess what happens? He goes to jail. And then look what he says when he meets his brothers. He says, what you meant for evil, God used it for good. God used those three years to speak life into Joseph and make him the person that he is. I mean, God even speaks through a donkey, for goodness sake. He can use any circumstance. The more controversial one is that God speaks through dreams and visions. You can't get away from the scriptures without seeing it. It's all over. Does God still do it today? I, I, I think he does. I, I don't think that's the primary way. I think sometimes we fool ourselves, and if that is the only way or the primary way to you, well, I just got the vision. I just, you know, he speaks through me through dreams. If that's the only way or the primary will, I think you might be ignoring some of the other ways. And who's to say that's not just bad pizza from the night before? God speaks to us through his word and through his spirit and through circumstances and through people and, and through visions and dreams. And if we're willing to listen, if we desire to please him, we'll seek him to understand what steps we need to take. Second question to ask yourself is not just to focus on ourselves, which we often do, but will my decision benefit others? Will this decision that I'm making, is it going to be a benefit to other people? Look with me at verse 2, because I think here is, is primarily it's getting at the motivation of the decision. It's not just about me, but it's about the we. And all the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, meaning that I often think too highly of myself. I don't always see the situation accurately. And what's my motivation in the situation is that I might think more highly of myself and my situation. I'm doing this for me and not for others. But look at what it says next. But the Lord weighs the spirit. That indicates that nobody knows the motivation of the decision except God. I mean, I don't know the true motivation behind what you did, why you did it. I, I can guess at some things. I can't judge motives, but I can judge action. But you don't know my motives. I don't know your motives. We need to be careful, but it says God weighs the spirit, meaning you can fool others, but you can't fool God. That he knows the motives behind all your decisions and who you're truly trying to please and, and why you're doing what you do. I've talked about, you know, the vacation and this little tour we did, this nostalgia tour, and it was fun. We, we, we love Jody and I love biking, and so we took our bikes, and when we were in northeastern Ohio, um, Jody was born in Kirtland, Ohio, and I moved there in like eighth grade, and, and so I've known her since then, and so she actually, we took our bikes and we rode them around. She grew up on a farm. And so we rode our bikes to the farm. It's now a housing development with five-acre lots and these big houses. And, and, we drove, and we rode our bikes and we talked to people and took pictures. I mean, you know, it was just fun. And then, and then we did a bike ride, this five-mile bike ride, which I used to run five miles a day in the summer um, to get ready for the season. And I'd run five miles every day, and that's pretty incredible, isn't it? And I would run five miles, Pastor Craig, who runs every day and clocks it if you follow him on and tells us what he does. And I used to do it too. And, and 
but I can't do it anymore, so I rode the bike. But, but, but we rode by my house, and, and I, I lived at Raccoon Hill Drive. Yes, it's true. And, and through this whole time, we just couldn't stop thinking about our parents. I mean, you know, for Jody, it's Joe and Doris Shoup. And for my parents, Jim and Helen Zappia. And, you know, you just get flooded with emotions on a tour like this. And, and I just started thinking, we started thinking about all the decisions that they made that benefited us. And sometimes as a kid, you know, you go to college and, and I remember as a kid, I went to college and then I came back from college. I'm like, man, my parents got smarter. I don't think that was it. I think I got a little smarter and, and I recognized what they did and, and the sacrifices that they made. And, and I hope in some small way we talk about Jody and I, how that motivated us to make the sacrifices and inspired us to make sacrifices for our own kids. And I hope we didn't make decisions that were solely about us, but was best for the family. And I know all parents who are wise, you want to do that. Now that my kids are all out of the house, though, we don't make decisions for them at all. It's all about us. <laughs> kind of kidding, but who are you making the decision for? I love what this pastor says. He says it's so good. Sacrifice alone it's barren, unrelieved, it's ghastly, unnatural, and dead. But self-sacrifice, that's what we're talking about. The sacrifice of self, illuminated by love, motivated by love. That's what we've experienced from our parents. That's what we want to give to other people. It, it's warm and it's life. It's the death of Christ, the life of God, that we can be sacrificial. And the blessedness and the only proper life of man. So, Will my decision please God? Will my decision benefit others? Third question to ask yourself when you're thinking about making a decision, and all of us, we've got decisions that we're making, is this, that will my decision, will it align with God's will? I want to line it up to what God's will and God's ways and God's word. That's the goal. And so look at Proverbs 16, verse 3. It says, commit your work to the Lord. So work there, your being, who you are, what you're doing, what you're about. Commit there. If we were to double click on this word in its original language, it literally means to roll. And so imagine it, it's like rolling a ball, a bowling ball down an alley to get the pins and I'm rolling it down. It's, it's like if I'm, you know, roll some dice on a table, not the greatest illustration for church, but if I roll some dice, if I roll a ball, if I roll a burden off of me, and why? Because it's too big to carry and I need some others to handle it. We're rolling our work. We're rolling who we are to the Lord because his shoulders are big enough to carry the burden. His shoulders are big enough to help us, guide us. Why would we do it? Don't need to look anywhere else but look at the end of the verse, and our plans will be established. Our thoughts will be established. That means that God, if we roll our work to him, if we roll who we are to him, if we roll our decisions to him, get on the front end of it and not just ask him for his blessing on the back end, which we traditionally do, he's going to establish our plans. He's going to speak into it. He's going to reorient it. He's, he's going to finish it and finalize it in a way that's best for all. That's why it says, I love the end of this, uh, verse nine, it says the heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. 
So it's good to have plans. We're getting ready for a new ministry year. We, Pastor Craig already said we got this big um, meeting on um, uh, August 27th. Yeah, I really know when it is. And this is a meeting that we're doing this summit with all the volunteers and anyone who wants to be involved in ministry. And we're making plans for where we're heading in the fall. And so it's good to plan, but, but we want to make sure that as we plan our way, as it says in verse 9, the Lord redirects and we listen and we get input and, and, and we get to a different place because we want him to speak in. I love the amplified version of this text and it says in verse 3, roll your works upon the Lord. There you see the original language is used in this translation, commit and trust them wholly to him. And then look at this. God will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will and so shall your plans be established and succeed. So we want to align ourselves to God's will. Can God's will be known? That's a question I get a lot. What's God's will for my life? I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with coffee, especially with college students, with what is God's will? And many people describe it as they think it's like, it's like finding a needle in a haystack and, or a dot on a map and this specific thing that God wants. I mean, does God have a will? And if he does, how do I find it? Those are all good questions. And so let me, I'm going to go fast here because I've done teaching on this in the past, but God's will for you is that you'd be saved. That's what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that you would come into a relationship with him. That's first and foremost. I don't care what other decision is on your plate, that you would recognize that you don't have the capacity or the power to do it with the right motivation and to do it best. You're going to mess up just like me. We've messed up in a lot of areas. God's will is for you to be saved, that you would have a relationship with him, a personal relationship with him, where he can speak into you and you can speak to him and he'll listen and you'll learn and you'll move forward. God's will for you is to be sanctified. That's what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It literally said, says, the will of God for you is sanctification. So it isn't that confusing. What's sanctification? It's that I would be more and more like Christ, that I would be self-sacrificial in how I live my life, that that I would make decisions in such a way that are honoring others, that I would live by God's word. So God's will is that I be saved. God's will is that I be sanctified. God's will for you is to be surrendered. Can't do the other two without surrendering to him. And so Jesus said, he who wants to find his life is going to do what? He's got to lose it. So it's a total different paradigm to decision-making that that that's God's will, is that you'd be saved and sanctified and surrendered. But that didn't really help me with, you know, whether or not I should get married. That didn't get me with, you know, whether or not I should take that job in Toledo. Well, well hold on. Because there's three other aspects, and again, this is going to come fast. Taught on this before. Um, did a series called Make the Call that sometimes God just wants you to make the call. God has three aspects to his will. And the aspects are that God's will is sovereign. God has a sovereign will. What that means is that, that God's will, there's things that are going to happen in our world we can read in Revelation that, that I have no control over. I can't do anything. I have to trust God's sovereign will. God has a moral will that needs to be obeyed. 
That's the part for us is the decisions that we're making is that in God's word, it has everything we need for life and godliness. Are we studying God's word and living by God's word, making decisions that honor God's word? God has a moral will that that tells you how do you live your life. And a lot of people now, they don't believe in absolute truth. And so we're looking at all kinds of other things and how we feel and what we think and my reality. That isn't truth. God has a moral code, a moral will that he wants us to live by. And then lastly, this has to do with two good choices. God has an individual or a personal will. And so this job or this one, this opportunity or this one, this school or this one, that, that when there's two good options, it's like, make the call, man. God wants you to choose something after seeking him and he'll reveal to you and God's individual will is to be enjoyed. That too many times we get stumped in a place where we don't know what God wants and I'm not sure. And, and there's an option for us to make the call and make the best choice that we can. God's will can be sought and God desires to answer us. When we're out of God's will, we live in danger when we live in God's will, we're dangerous. Did you hear me? If we're out of it, man, there's danger, danger, warning, warning. But when we're in the center of God's will, there's, we're dangerous, man, in what we can do and who we can become and what we can be. So next question to ask ourselves, will my decision be free from negative consequences? In this life, and the next. Too many times we make decisions that we just, you know, we don't think about the consequences of our decisions. And it's all about the immediate gratification of how this is going to make me feel in this moment. And we don't think about the next day or the next day and, and what that did to you. And so I see this in the text. This is why I love this passage. Look at with me at verse five. Everyone who is arrogant in heart sounds real broad with, man, you're arrogant. That's an, God doesn't like that. It's an abomination. You got to be humble. We said you got to embrace the truth of who he is. And, but be assured, he will not go unpunished. This is speaking of people will be held accountable for their actions in this life. There will be consequences now and for eternity. Now, we know that as believers, we say, yeah, there's going to be consequences for people who don't embrace Christ. And we're talking about what? We're talking about eternity and you don't want that. I don't want to be apart from God forever. But I'm not only talking about that. I'm talking about us as followers of Christ. That, that there's some consequences for our decisions that we make that are immediate and could be eternal. I'll never forget when uh, we first became Christians, Jody and I, we used to love listening to Tony Evans. Anybody remember him? And he, he just had a great way of saying everything. And, and he gave us three D words. And I've never forgotten him. And he said, Christians, based on the scriptures of Romans chapter 14 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's Christians. And so we're going to be judged on three things. And so we're going to have to give an account, play the tape of our lives and and so we're going to have loss of rewards in heaven if we don't make the right choices now. This is a message, uh, you know, when's the last time you heard about this at church? We don't talk about it enough. Uh, 
And he said, Tony Evans, I'll quote him, he said that we're going to be judged on our deeds. That's what we do or what we don't do. We're going to be judged upon our dependability. That's how we do what we do and how faithful we are to do it. The scripture says that we're to be good stewards unto death, that we should be faithful. And the third thing, so we don't lose rewards, we're going to be judged on our declarations. That's scary for a verbal person like me. That what? That our words. As Jesus says in Matthew, he says that on that day, you'll be judged on judgment day that for every careless word that comes out of your mouth. So every word, how we're speaking and why and what we're saying and the motivation of our heart, that, that we're going to encounter a day of reckoning. So we just got to make sure our decisions, are they what? Are, are they making wise choices that don't have consequences for now and for eternity? Now, the truth is, I, I got to be honest, I, as we did this nostalgia tour, we're in downtown Cleveland and looking over at the flats. And if you know that area, that's the party place. And I, I don't know, I just thinking about all the things I did when I was not a Christian or when I just got out of school. And, and I made a lot of decisions that didn't please God. And I made some decisions for the short term for immediate gratification. And the long term, I, just, I didn't even think about it. You think when you're young, nothing's going to hurt me. I'll try that, do that, what's up, yeah. And, and, and hopefully this isn't too much and takes me off the pedestal for sure, but I made a lot of decisions that I regret. And, and, and I thought about those. And, and I don't think you're too much different than me. And that's why I want to point out verse 6. Verse 6 is the best verse in the whole proverb. Because the gospel is in the Proverbs. Look with me what it says at verse 6. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. That's the gospel. That who is the one that atones for our decisions when they're not good? Jesus does. And they looked forward to the cross. We look backward. And so forgiveness and grace is available because of the cross, because of what Jesus did. Amen? Amen. That we can, the guilt can be removed. And so I know a message like this, we can think back of five years ago and 10 years ago and some decisions that we made that ruined some relationships and caused long-term hurt for other people. There's forgiveness, and forgiveness is available. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and true to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that we can be holy and pure. That's the gospel. And so hopefully this is a helpful message as I make decisions. Good stuff? That I want to make decisions that please God. I want to make decisions that are not just for me, but that, that benefit other people. I want to make decisions that align with God's word. I, I want to make decisions that, that do what? That, that, that they align with his will and, and they also do what? That, that I don't ignore the consequences of my decision. Two more. And I want to make decisions that, will my decision lead to a good witness? Because that's really important. It, it, it's about what I'm doing and what people are thinking and that is important. Notice verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, a woman's ways please the Lord, 
he makes even his enemies to be at peace with them. So what's this saying? That when we do some things that align with God's word and what he wants and his ways, that we can have a positive influence and impact on people we don't even realize. That we could be, your decision could be drawing them one step closer to God than you know. We want to have a good witness. When I was thinking about some of these decisions and we went and drove past this place I used to go to school, I, I mean, I, I just, like, I don't know, maybe this is too much, sorry, but, I, like, I was an athlete in college and I, I couldn't stop drinking. Like, I, we just, you know, that's what you did on Thursday night. And, and I mean, I, I tried to and I, I couldn't, I wanted to and I couldn't and I couldn't break that chain. And then something happened when I became a Christian and I don't know exactly and I can't describe it and I wish it happened for all the things that I struggled with and was, was chained to. God freed me from it. Anybody ever been there? It's just like it was gone. Like I didn't have the desire anymore. And I can't, again, I can't speak for everything and, and everything. I wish, wish God would do that in every situation, that I'd be holy in every decision, but, but that one is just gone. But then I was nervous, if I gotta be honest, that I was wondering when I went back with the old friends that we used to go out with, and I know what we used to do. You wouldn't go to the bar and you'd, and I thought to myself, am I going to be the same person? Am I going to be as funny? Am I going to be the life of the party? Am I going to have the personality? Am I going to be able to be me without that? And it's so foolish now. You think, yeah, sure. But you know what? That's the struggle in our mind, isn't it? And so I made the decision. I said, you know, I'm just, so I went up to the bar and I'm with all the friends. They're all drinking it up. And, and I just ordered the old duels. Do you know what old duels is? It's a beer without alcohol. It tastes really bad. <laughs> Now, they used to have just one. Now they have a whole line of, of, of you can choose from. And I've tried them all. None of them are good. But anyways, um, but I just started doing that. And, and I'm, kid, I'm not joking around. The next thing I knew, guess what? My friends started ordering Odul's. They weren't even Christians. And I mean, I had an influence and an impact that I didn't even recognize. And I'm just trying to get us to consider Romans chapter 14, verse 13. And verse 21, are, are you, you got to make sure that our decision doesn't cause another brother or sister to stumble. And so that, 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 that's got to enter into our decision making, is that I don't want to exercise my freedom in a way that does what? That causes somebody else to fall into a trap. And that's what Romans 14 is all about. But you know, as I open my heart to you and you know, I, I'm just telling you, like, like your parents, if you were brought up in a Christian home, probably you or your parents struggled with legalism. Anybody with me? Anybody remember that? It's legalism. How do I know that? Well, it's like that was a struggle. That that what that that legalism was a very big deal. And and but I don't think that's the issue anymore. I don't think there's a lot of legalism in church today. You say, how come? How do you know? Well, because you're not all sitting in the front row and you're not all in dresses and, and ties. And, but I'm joking, but the truth is we don't struggle with legalism. You know what our thing is? With our kids, you said it, it's the L word, license. So we've flipped the script from this end is legalism to license to I can't do anything and Christianity is all about a bunch of rules and regulations to now Christianity, it's I can do everything and God loves me no matter what, which is true. 
But we got to be careful to not fall into the extreme. And we got to make sure, I'm not saying that you can never have a drink with your friend. I'm not saying that. But the scripture says that we're not to get drunk. And that line is very hard to see. And, and the Bible says it applies to all kinds of things that we don't want to cause somebody else to stumble. Those things got to get into our decision making on a regular basis. So it's not just about the immediate gratification in the moment, but it's about the long-term effect. Do you hear my heart in that? Next one is this, last question. Will my decision glorify God? I mean, this is almost like the common denominator. It's like this is the whole chart, okay? And, and so by glorifying God, that means that I want to show God off. I want people to see how good he is and how awesome he is and how great he is. And so verse 8 says, better is a little with righteousness, so I'd better do a little bit stuff good than great revenues with injustice. Hey, I want to give glory to God in what I do, and it's better not to do some things than to go all out and sometimes do them. The heart of man plans his way. We've looked at this already, but the Lord, he's going to direct you. You know, it's good to have plans, but we've got to be open to the Lord's leading and direction as he establishes our steps. I love what Anne Graham Lutz says about glorifying God. She says our ultimate aim in life is not to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous or problem-free. Our ultimate aim in life is to bring glory to God. That's the target. That's what we're going for. And I hope that these questions, as we've studied through this series, are kind of an end point or an end cap on this is how I can make a good decision. And so these are what the questions are. So as I invite the worship team up, we're going to have one more um, uh, song to kind of close. But I, I just want to make sure you get it. And, and so it's, it's great to list some questions. I, I hope you understand, like, these questions have helped me in my walk. And my desire is they would help you with the decisions that you face. So let's just run a few, let's just do a little practice. I mean, this is like home crowd. Let's, let's practice. Let's just run a few, few situations through. So I don't know. How about this? Should I rob a bank? Well, somebody just said no, but hold on. I'm trying to have a little fun here. Would you just wait for me a minute? Why not? Well, because that won't please God, will it? I mean, and, and that won't benefit others unless, I mean, unless I give the money away, see how we fool ourselves. Well, I'll give the money away for a good thing. Well, my deci- will that decision align with God's will? Of course it doesn't. And I know we're being foolish, but it's going to have negative consequences. Although now you rob some stuff. If it's under a grant, it's okay, I guess. I mean, joking. But decisions have consequences, and that's not going to be a good witness. That's not going to glorify God. But, but let's be a little more serious, because I know there's questions here on people's hearts. Whether you're sitting here or watching us online, there's decisions that we're making. And so maybe you're thinking, you know, should I remain single? I mean, you know, I'm in my 30s and I've tried, you know, I've had some relationships, they haven't worked out and it's just like, and that's an honest question. Will will that decision please God? Yes, it will. Will will that decision benefit others? Yes. Will it align with God's will? Yeah, we can turn to uh, Corinthians and the apostle Paul talks about how that decision, you can invest yourself in the gospel and and certainly it will. It's going to glorify him. I just think it's important for us to run the decisions through the decision tree 
for us to understand why we do what we do. And so how about this? It's like, well, should I volunteer and get involved in a ministry team at High Point? Now, isn't it interesting? When I said, should I rob a bank? Everybody's like, no. When I say, should we volunteer at church? Everybody's like, silence. There's nothing. But I mean, will that decision please God? Yes, it will. And it will please our pastoral staff. Will that decision benefit others? Yeah, man, to partner together and, and be a part of a team that does something bigger than you could do on your own. And will, will that decision align with God's will? Certainly it will, that, that God's church is the place where the people gather to hear from him. And will that decision have some negative consequences? <laughs> it might take some time and it, it's going to take a little effort, but, but no, it, it's only going to lead to eternal rewards. It, is that going to be a good witness? Yes. Is it going to glorify God? Yes. I mean, I think you get the point that we want to make decisions that glorify him. And I hope this message has been a help to you as we close down a series on wisdom. Let's stand together for our closing song. Father, I look to you with great thanks. And I ask that you would speak to us, Lord, even this week as we all have decisions that we need to make. And even in this moment, as we stand together, it's a sign that, Lord, we're aligned with the fact that you have given us free wills to make the decisions that you want us to make. And so we are standing in solidarity, thanking you for the opportunity of life to make decisions. And, and we're looking to you, we're calling out to you in this moment. Lord, we're asking that you would give us wisdom. God, we look to you for vision. We look to you for direction. And may this last song symbolize the prayer of our hearts that, God, we want to look to you because we believe that you will give us vision and you will give us wisdom for the decisions that we're faced with. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen.